would you join me in a word of prayer? Oh, Father, thank you uh, for your spirit, your presence with us this morning. Um, thank you that uh, you are the Lord God Almighty who reigns on high. And I pray that you would give us a clearer vision uh, of who you are and how great you are and how for all of our lives, whatever we may be going through, you are the God who reigns and we can trust in you. Pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, for those who may be new or visiting, uh, my name is Dan, and I have the privilege of serving uh, on staff here at Granville. And uh, today we're picking up again our teaching series called The Fruit of the Spirit. Now, I know we've had a couple pauses uh, throughout the series, so let me just briefly review uh, where we've been, uh, what we've talked about so far, and then you know the plan moving forwards. So uh, a few weeks back, uh, we began by looking at, actually, if we could go to slide one. Uh, yeah, there we go. Um, a few weeks back, we began by looking at uh, Galatians chapter 5 uh, and the fruit of the Spirit as a whole, uh, and we framed the series overall as growing in Christ-likeness. So this is about us uh, seeking to become more like our Savior, Jesus, who was full of the Spirit, and therefore full of the fruit of the Spirit in his own life. So what is the fruit of the Spirit? Uh, what comes forth when a person is filled with the Spirit of God? Well, such a person will be marked by the fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Now, uh, a couple weeks back when Mike Woods uh, started the series off for us, uh, he mentioned an important point, that there is a both-and nature to growing in the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, the fruit of the Spirit is both a work of God in us, but it also requires our active participation. So just because we're Christians, uh, it doesn't mean that we just automatically become full of love, joy, and peace, which I think we can all attest to. Uh, furthermore, the Spirit of God does not override or take over our wills. In fact, from the beginning of creation, God has always given human beings the ability and the choice of how we respond to him and his commands. So as it relates to the fruit of the Spirit and growing in these qualities, we have a choice of how we respond to God's work in producing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. So just quickly, for example, let's take example the fruit of love. So the Spirit of God will be at work in us to help us to grow in love. The Spirit will teach and prompt 
and reveal to us what love is and what love requires in a certain situation or relationship. And the Spirit will motivate and stir us to love, but then we have the choice of whether we will respond in obedience. Uh, we can choose to participate in growing in love and actually doing what love requires, or we also have the choice to turn away from the work of the Spirit and just do what our natural flesh desires. The scriptures also say that we can quench or grieve the Spirit. And so again, as we talk in the coming weeks about the fruit of the Spirit, there is a both and that is taking place. It is both the Spirit working in us, but then our active participation and involvement in the Spirit's work. So that was uh, part of the introduction to the series. Um, and then we paused uh, to talk about our new vision and values as a church. Uh, then two weeks ago, Adit talked about the fruit of love. And then last week, uh, we were going to look at the theme of joy, uh, but then we had the opportunity to invite our candidate for lead pastor, uh, Sam, to speak to us. So we paused our series. And so this week, uh, we're back to the fruit of the Spirit. But instead of you know, changing all the topics that had originally been assigned to our speakers, uh, we're simply going to postpone the theme of joy and move it to the end of the series. So if you're slightly confused, don't worry. I have created a visual aid to help us. <laughs> so we did our series introduction. Love is done. Joy is moving to the end of the series, and today we'll be talking about peace. So that's the plan. Uh, sorry that it's been a little messy, um, but we're doing our best to you know, navigate and move through this unique season we're in as a church. And uh, what comes to mind for me as, you know, as we're in this season is uh, Proverbs 16.9. Uh, which says that we make our plans, but it is the Lord who establishes and determines our steps. And so we've been making plans, uh, but we hold them loosely before the Lord, and we just do our best to walk in unity and follow the leading of the Spirit together. So let's uh, talk about our topic and theme for this morning, which is peace. And uh, we're going to be talking about growing in peace, how we can grow in more peace in our lives. And to begin, um, I'd like to read a quote uh, from the book that we're using as a guide for our series. So the book we're using is called Cultivating the Fruit of the Spirit, written by Christopher Wright. And I really appreciated how Wright begins his chapter on peace because I think it captures so well the very real challenge that we all face in seeking to experience peace in our lives. So here is how Wright begins his chapter on peace. Is this a little bit loud? I'm just a little self-conscious. It's good? 
Okay, I'm getting thumbs up. Okay. I was speaking quietly. <laughs> okay, so here's how right begins. Go away and give me peace. Let's have some peace around here. Familiar cries of frustration in the hurly-burly of life. There is not much peace for many of us, it seems. There are demanding families to manage, or stresses and pressures at work to endure. There are strained relationships to cope with, or perhaps even abusive ones. There are anxieties about life in the immediate or long-term future. And all the time, the bustle and busyness of life swirls around, multiplied for many people by the seemingly inescapable invasion of the internet, emails, social media, etc. Peace? If only. I wonder how many of us can relate to these issues, demanding and complex family life, stresses and pressures at work or at school, strained relationships, anxieties about life, maybe anxieties about your health or your finances, worries about the future, your own future, the future of your children, maybe the future of aging parents, the seemingly inescapable invasion of the internet and social media in our lives, our 24-7 news-saturated world that we live in. Many of us long for peace in our lives, but we struggle to find it. We struggle to quiet the noise in our heads. We struggle to calm our anxious and worried hearts. We struggle to find peace and rest for our tired and weary souls. And yet, into this situation, and despite all the challenges and complexity and troubles of our world, Jesus speaks to us words of hope and peace. Jesus, the great shepherd of our souls, has promised to give us that which we so desperately long for. As we read earlier in John 14, Jesus says to his followers, and he says to us, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. Jesus promises to give peace to those who follow him. And in fact, Jesus promises not just any kind of peace, but he says, my peace I give to you. It is a peace that is different from the world and what the world can give. So let's take a minute to contrast two kinds of peace. So the peace of the world is found in circumstances. 
The peace of Jesus is found in a person. You see, the only peace that the world can give is founded upon circumstances. Whether it's money or health or some other personal situation you are going through, the world can only offer peace based on circumstances. So if you have a lot of money and you're physically very healthy, uh, if you've got no real problems in your life, then you can have peace. But if your finances take a big hit, or if you were to lose your job, or lose your ability to work, or if you or a loved one were to get a serious illness, well, then the peace of the world falls away. Worldly peace rises and falls with changing circumstances. But the peace that Jesus promises is different. Jesus gives us a peace that is not based on circumstances. Rather, he gives us a peace that is found in a person. And this person is the Holy Spirit. Peace is found in and through the Spirit. So let's just focus on a few key phrases uh, from our reading this morning. So Jesus says in verse 16, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Verse 17, the spirit of truth, he dwells with you and will be in you. Verse 25 to 27, the helper, the Holy Spirit, He will teach you all things. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Clearly there is a connection between Jesus' promise of the Spirit and his promise of peace. And this connection is made all the more clear in Galatians 5 when it says that the fruit of the Spirit is love joy, and peace. Peace is a fruit that arises from the Spirit. Our source of peace, therefore, is found in a person and not in our circumstances. And this is such an important truth that followers of Jesus have to understand. True peace cannot be found in circumstances. And in fact, Jesus never promises to us circumstances or a life that is free from pain or trouble. In fact, Jesus makes clear that the opposite is true. Look what he says in John 16. Jesus says, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world, you will have trouble. You will have trouble. We will have trouble. But then Jesus says, but take heart. Even though we will experience trouble and pain and sorrows, we do not need to drown in despair. 
we can take heart. Or another way to say it is to take courage. Jesus says, take heart, take courage, for he has overcome the world. Jesus has overcome this world that is full of trouble. And if we follow Jesus, then we too can overcome alongside Jesus. So let me try to summarize these ideas in this way. In this world, we should expect trouble and trials to come. This is what Jesus tells us. He says that in this fallen and broken world, we will have trouble. But Jesus promises us peace in the midst of life's trials. We can experience peace beyond our circumstances and overcome this world with Jesus. And for the rest of our time, we'll talk about how. How can we actually experience the peace that Jesus promises? And to do that, we'll look at Philippians chapter 4. So in Philippians, we are told, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and, pet- and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, it's important to note that these words written by the Apostle Paul were written when he was a prisoner in jail. He says in chapter 1 that he's in chains for Christ, and furthermore, he's in a situation where it's quite likely that he could be killed for his faith in Jesus. So his circumstances were not good. Yet Paul, throughout his letter to the Philippians, he expresses great joy and rejoicing. Paul is constantly giving thanks. He is seeing the good things that are happening despite his imprisonment. He is constantly rejoicing in Jesus, his Lord. So it's no surprise that near the end of this letter, Paul gives this command. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Paul is teaching us to have the same attitude of rejoicing and giving thanks to God always. And this is one of the key ways that we can experience peace in our lives. This is how we can experience peace. This passage tells us, that the peace of God is experienced when we rejoice and give thanks. Now, remember at the beginning of the message, we talked about how the fruit of the Spirit, it's a both and. It's a work of the Spirit in us and also requires our participation. It requires 
our response and our obedience to the Spirit's work in us. So the Spirit of God has given us the ability and the capacity to rejoice in the Lord. And hopefully, as a follower of Christ, there are genuine moments in your life where you rejoice and give thanks to God. But here's where our participation, our active involvement comes. We are told to rejoice in the Lord always. Not just once in a while, not just on Sundays, but rejoice in the Lord always. So the Spirit is at work, seeking to give us the peace that arises from the fruit of the Spirit, and we can participate and respond to this work by becoming people who are always rejoicing and giving thanks to God. I'm going to call this the discipline of gratitude. The discipline of gratitude. Now, over the past year, uh, God has been helping me to, to grow, to slowly grow in this area of my life. But it's only recently that God has helped me to develop a, a discipline of gratitude that's part of my daily, everyday practice. And ever since I made this intentional commitment to rejoice and to give thanks to God every day, I have experienced a dramatic increase in the amount of peace in my life. So every morning I wake up, I make coffee, uh, I sit down on my couch with my laptop. I'll take one minute just to quiet my heart and to just focus on the presence of Jesus. And then the first thing that I do is I journal and I just write out words of praise and thanksgiving to God. Very often, I just start out by giving thanks to God for saving me, for rescuing me when I was just a lost and broken 15-year-old boy who just didn't have much hope for life. I give thanks to God for his forgiveness of all my sins and all my failures. I give thanks to God for his faithfulness, how he has led me throughout my life. I give thanks to God for recent things that he's done, uh, times when, when I've seen him at work. These are just some of the things I give praise to God for. And, you know, I try to keep it free-flowing and, you know, there's no set time limit. But after spending just five, maybe ten minutes in this kind of thanksgiving and praise, I find that I am changed. My heart is changed. My spirit is changed. My mind is different. I experience peace in my soul as I focus on and give thanks to God for his goodness and his faithfulness. 
Now, I want to just, you know, be really practical here because just hearing and knowing about good ideas will not change us. We have to put these biblical ideas and commands into practice. In James chapter 1, we're told, don't just be hearers of the word, but be doers of the word. For if we are simply hearers of God's word and don't put it into practice, then we simply deceive ourselves. So let us not be deceived. Let us be doers of God's word. We are taught, we are told, we are commanded to give thanks to God always, to rejoice in the Lord. And so I challenge you to put God's word into practice. I I challenge you to develop this kind of discipline of gratitude every day and see if it doesn't change you. Peace is available to us and rejoicing in the Lord and giving thanks to God always is one of the key ways that we can experience that peace. Now let's go back to Philippians 4 and look at a second practical way of how we can experience peace in our lives. So we've just been told to rejoice in the Lord always. And then it says, if we can move over to the next slide. There we go. So Paul tells us to rejoice in the Lord always. And then he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, By prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. When we experience trouble or difficult circumstances, one of the kind of uh, tendencies and temptations that we have is just to avoid the problem altogether, right? We try not to think about it. Uh, We delay having to deal with it. And that might give us a little bit of peace temporarily. But avoidance is not true peace. It's a false peace. And as Christians, we're not meant to avoid issues or problems in our lives. Rather, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, we are to present a request to God. So in every situation, whether it's big or small or medium-sized, we can bring our prayers, our petitions, and requests to God. So instead of avoiding or, or delaying dealing with the situation, we just bring it straight to God. Now notice how with thanksgiving was thrown into the mix. With thanksgiving, we are to pray and petition and request. 
And this is a key part that should not be missed. So when we pray and when we make requests of God, we should do so with a posture of thanksgiving. So for example, let's say you have a specific problem you're facing. We can pray and make our request to God and then praying with thanksgiving, it might, it might look like this. So you can pray, Father, make your request. And then you say, I thank you that you already have a solution to this problem. And it may or may not be my solution, but you already have your solution in mind. So I thank you, and I praise you for what you will do in this. Maybe um, you're dealing with a relational issue, uh, maybe a conflict with someone. To pray with thanksgiving, it might sound something like this. Father, I thank you that you have promised to give wisdom to those who ask for it. So I thank you for the wisdom that you will provide as I seek to do your will and bring peace to this conflict. To pray with thanksgiving is ultimately about giving thanks to God because no matter what the circumstance or situation, and even if things get worse, we can give thanks to God because ultimately God is trustworthy. And really, all of this boils down to trust in God. So here's our final Bible verse for this morning. It's Isaiah 26.3. It says, you will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Peace comes to those who trust in God. If you don't trust God, you won't have much peace. Or you are settling for a worldly peace or, or the kind of peace that, that depends on your ability to fix problems. But if you trust God, and if you continue to trust God in the midst of and through the trials of life, then you will experience the peace of God that surpasses understanding and a peace that is beyond the changing circumstances of our lives and of our world. Now here's the thing about trusting in God. You know, most of us who are Christians, uh, at some point, we made a decision to trust in God. That's how we enter into faith. But the thing about trusting God is that it's, it's a lesson and it's a thing that we must learn to do over and over and over and over again. 
As each new trials, as each new trial comes in life, and and through the years and and over the decades, the troubles of the world will keep coming. And the question for us is: Will we continue to trust in God, even if things get worse? even if circumstances get worse, which, again, Jesus said, we'll have problems in the world. Will we trust in Jesus' promise that he can give us the peace in the midst of those troubles? One thing that can help us to trust in Jesus, and we see this you know, in Scripture, one of the ways that we can bolster our trust and faith in Jesus is that we call to mind and we remember his past faithfulness. Reminding ourselves of his past faithfulness helps us to trust for his future faithfulness. And when we are able to live our lives trusting in God, we will experience peace. I'm going to talk about journaling again because <laughs> it's been so helpful for me. Uh, I've been journaling now for maybe two and a half years. And whenever I go through discouraging times where um, I just need to remind myself that God is good, that he's been there, that he's been faithful, I flip through, or I don't flip through because my journal's a Word document, but I search uh, through my journal and I just remind myself and read, you know, the times where God worked, where God moved, where God spoke to me. I I label sections in my journal called called God Speaking Alert. I highlight it in yellow. So if if I just type in God Speaking Alert, I'll, I'll just get you know, now maybe 15, 20 times where just God has really spoken to me in the last couple years. So I encourage you to try journaling because otherwise we just forget. Um, We forget the details of, of how God has worked and moved. So peace comes to those who trust in Jesus And so whatever you are going through, whatever problems or circumstances you are facing right now, believe and trust in Jesus' promise that we can experience peace here and now in the midst of this world because he is with us. We can experience peace through the power in the presence of God's spirit. We can experience peace through praise and thanksgiving. We can experience peace as we pray and give our petitions and requests to God. And once again, we can experience peace if we will, again, put our trust in Jesus. So let me pray for us.
Jesus, we thank you for your precious promises to us. You have promised and given us the gift of your spirit. And by your spirit, you have promised to give us peace. So help us, Lord, to experience the peace that you give. Help us to experience peace as we learn to rejoice and give thanks. Help us to develop a discipline of gratitude in our daily lives. And teach us not to avoid our problems, but help us to, in every situation, bring our prayers and petitions and requests to you with thanksgiving. And for those of us right now who may be deeply worried, who are deeply troubled, who are going through just difficult circumstances right now. I pray that you would help them and that you would help all of us, Lord, to once again put our trust in you, Jesus. Help us to trust in you now and always until we see you and experience ultimate, everlasting peace forevermore for all eternity in your presence. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.